You are listening to an American Theater podcast. American Theater is a publication of Theater Communications Group. www.americantheater.org. Hi, everyone. Um, if I haven't met you yet, I'm Teresa Eyring, Executive Director of TCG Theater Communications Group, um, and I want to welcome you uh, to this event. This is our third uh, annual public announcement of. The top 10 most produced plays of the upcoming season and the top 20 most produced playwrights. Um, TCG has been uh, paying attention to which plays are most produced and which playwrights are most produced since 1994, so for quite a while. And we're excited to share with you uh, what the results are and, and who's, you know, just the exciting work that's going to be presented in the upcoming season. I want to just say a few words before I introduce Rob Weiner-Kent, who's our editor-in-chief of American Theatre Magazine, about TCG. Theatre Communications Group is a national organization for theatre here in the U.S. We're based in New York City. And for almost 60 years, TCG has been connecting the theatre field nationwide and even globally. And our goal is to strengthen, nurture, and promote theatre field and we believe in a better world for theater and a better world because of theater. <coughs> and we have a number of different programs, including uh, ways that we convene people and help people know each other, conferences, um, webinars, one-on-one -on -one connecting, uh, lots of ways that we come together to share knowledge. And that happens, again, across the country and across different organizations, but also intergenerationally. We have a very multi-generational field, and I feel personally very proud about how much our theater field has grown since the very beginning of the resident theater movement. And TCG's been at the center of that in many ways, but it's all of you and everyone in the theater field, artists, theaters, um, trustees, volunteers, students, teachers, who really make up our field altogether. Um, we also publish plays. And we are a grant maker, which we really specialize in leadership development and really trying to mentor and develop uh, the next generation of leadership in our field. And we advocate in Washington to make sure that theater and the arts are supported um, at the federal level. So a couple things I just wanted to say before Rob comes up to uh, talk about the top 10 plays most produced in the coming season is um, if you're interested, if you're not ar already an individual member of TCG, um, please do go to our website, um, let us know. We'd love to have you as an individual member. And if you are a theater uh, that is not a member of TCG, we also have opportunities for you to, to join. Um, and if you already are part of TCG as an individual or organizational member, thank you because you are the people who help make it happen for us, so, and the field. So thank you very much, Rob. Thanks for coming out helping us make this an event. Uh, we've been announcing the top 10 plays since 1994, and actually the top 20 playwrights only since 2014. But we've seen a lot of positive trends in the kinds of plays that are being done. I want to just stress, these aren't the best plays in the country. The all theater is worthwhile, worthwhile. This is just the plays that are going to be the most produced by TCG member theaters. They purport their seasons to us. We publish them in our October season preview issue. And we had the idea, we've been doing that for quite a 
quite a few years, and we had the idea of 25 years ago, why don't we see what, which plays are getting the most productions? And then we started to create this list. So uh, this list is in dialogue with a, 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 a heritage of, of plays. And so without further ado, I wanted, I'll start with the top 20 playwrights, playwrights list and then do the top 10. And I'll do them David Letterman style from the bottom up, uh, <laughs> just to keep the suspense. Uh, so the top 20 most produced playwrights, of the, of, I, I should, I want one more, one more preamble. This has been the year of the tie. There have been a lot of ties in the, in the past, but we, there's so many productions having the same amount of, uh, of, of shows having the same amount of productions that to make a top 20 and a top 10 list, we actually only have nine slots, nine places in the 20 list because there's so many ties. By which I mean, once we got over 20, there's actually 22 names on this list if, if you're counting. We stopped at 22 because we, we want to say the top, the 20 playwrights. So it's only nine places with a lot of ties. So I'm going to start with the top 20 most produced playwrights of the 2019-2020 season. 22 names if you're counting. Tied for ninth place with nine productions are Jen Silverman, Steve Martin, Lucy Kirkwood, and Stephen Dietz. Quite an interesting group of playwrights. Tied for eighth place with 10 productions are Sarah Rule and Paula Vogel. Sarah Rule, they've been on our list for 25 years, on and off. Uh, tied for seventh place with 11 productions are Duncan McMillan, Kate Hamill, Lynn Nottage, and Kiara Alegria Hudez. At number six, tied with no one all by, all by herself, is, with 12 productions, is Margot Melkon. Uh, she co-wrote a lot of those uh, adaptations with, with Lauren Gunderson, who, spoiler alert, is on this list somewhere. Uh, tied for fifth place with 13 productions are Joshua Harmon, Simon Stevens, and Neil Simon. That's an interesting dinner party right there. <laughs> tied for fourth place with 15 productions are Karen Zacharias, Ken Ludwig, and August Wilson. At number three with 16 productions all by herself is Dominique Morisseau, third most produced playwright in the country. At number two with 18 productions is Lauren Yee, her first time on the list. And uh, spoiler alert, she's here tonight to talk to us. Uh, and at number one with a whopping 33 productions, her second, or not her, her third or fourth time on the list, her second time at the top is Lauren Gunderson, the most produced playwright in the country, Lauren Gunderson. Uh, I will just say one thing about that is that she has, you'll see she has, Lauren Gunderson has no plays on the top 10 list because she has so many different plays being done. She has a total of 11 different plays with productions ranging from one to six or seven. So you won't hear the titles of any of her plays tonight. Um, now, the moment we're waiting for, the top 10 most produced plays of the 2019-2020 season, which are actually 14 because of all the ties. Tied for fourth place with eight productions, are the following something like nine plays. So eight productions of these plays in the coming season. Tiny Beautiful Things by Nia Vardolos, adapted from the Cheryl Strayed uh, book. Admissions by Joshua Harmon. Um, hold on. Yeah, here we go. It's right there. Cambodian Rock Band by Lauren Yee, with eight productions. She ties herself, uh, also eight productions by Lauren Yee, The Great Leap, that's why she's also. <laughs> Um, Schoolgirls or the African Mean Girls play by Jocelyn Bio, The Children by Lucy Kirkwood, The Thanksgiving play by Larissa Fasthorse, which we'll just note is the first play by a native writer to make it onto this list, The Wolves by Sarah DeLapp, and Agatha Christie's Murder on the Orient Express by Ken Ludwig. 
That's quite a, quite a list of plays. That's just in the fourth slot tied with eight productions. Tied for third place with nine productions are Pipeline by Dominique Morisseau and Bright Star by Steve Martin and Edie Brickell. At second place, tied with no one with 10 productions, is Every Brilliant Thing by Duncan McMillan with Johnny Donahoe. And in a, not a first, but a rarity, tied for first place with 12 productions, the most produced plays of the 2019 and 2020 are The Curious Incident of the Dog in the Nighttime by Simon Stevens with 12 productions, and returning from last year, A Doll's House Part Two by Lucas Nath with 12 productions. So um, it's not the first, you know, it's not the first time we've had a play come back two years in a row. We had, uh, let's see, uh, Doubt by John Patrick Shanley was the most popular play in 2007, 2008. And before that, Yasmina Reza's art topped it both in 2001 and 2000. And a tie for the top spot happened three times before. God of Carnage by Yasmina Reza and read by John Logan tied for the top spot in 2012. In 2008, Doubt by John Patrick Shanley, tied with the Santaland Diaries by Joe Mantello, adapted from David Sedaris. And in 2001, Art by Yasmina Razor, she's been on this list a lot, tied with Dinner with Friends by Donald Margulies. Um, I will just note that Lauren Yee, who's here tonight to talk to us, she makes her debut not only on our top 20, but on our top 10 list with not one, but two titles. Only one other playwright has done that on our list, and it's Martin McDonough back in the 1999 season. And he'd been on the list many times before, so congratulations, Lauren. <laughs> She's here. Uh, we're gonna, we're gonna, speak, to, we're gonna uh, speak to Lauren in a second, but first we have a very special treat. We're gonna see, uh, hear, hear and see an excerpt from Cambodian Rock Band. Um, it premiered at South Coast Rep in Costa Mesa, California. It's been performed at Victory Gardens in Chicago, and it's still being performed right now at Oregon Shakespeare Festival. If, if you include the Inter Oregon Shakespeare Festival performed in eight, at eight different TCG theaters in this season, La Jolla Playhouse in California, Portland Center Stage in Oregon, Theater Moo uh, in St. Paul, Minnesota, and Jungle Theater in Minneapolis, the City Theater of Pittsburgh, Merrimack Repertory Theater in Massachusetts, and Signature Theater here in New York and Off-Broadway. We were proud to publish it last summer in our July-August issue, and I can announce here for the first time, I think, publicly, that TCG Books will publish the play as a book next spring. Uh, so that's very exciting. So I just need, to, I just need to, to set up this excerpt we're about to hear and see. Um, it's the beginning of act two. So Neri Chum is a young American woman working for an NGO based in Cambodia in the mid-aughts. Her mandate is to bring to justice some of the war criminals and genocidaires who helped destroy the country in the mid-1970s. She and her NGO are planning to bring to trial Kankuk Lu, AKA Comrade Doik, a former math teacher this is all true, who notoriously ran the prison camp S21 into which 20,000 Cambodians were booked and only seven came out alive. But Neri thinks there may have been an eighth survivor and that might have been her own father, Chum, who has made a surprise visit to see her in Cambodia, ostensibly to dissuade her from digging further into his country's history. At the end of act one, the audience, but not yet Neri, have learned the unlikely reason that Chum stayed in Cambodia after the Khmer Rouge took power. He was in a rock band with his friends. So the play has just flashed back to that dramatic era. It's now 1978, and we, we enter in one of the band's jam sessions. T tonight we'll have uh, Alex Leiden as Lang, representing the whole band, uh, <laughs> the whole title band. Uh, Orville Mendoza will play Comrade Doik, and Daniel K. Isaac will play Young Chum. It's 1978, and here we are. 
three, four. Oh, my love, you know that I love you. Oh, my love, love with love you. Oh, my love, I think it's really true. Bathroom line, <laughs> Cambodian time. <laughs> okay, I'm back. Ah, told you I'd be back. How are we feeling? Pretty good, huh? Yeah. Refreshed? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> well, that is all about to change. That is because it is 1978, and three years have gone by. I know. Feels like 15 minutes, right? <laughs> but no. And now we are here at S21. That place. <laughs> hey, intermission. You chose to come back. Uh, that would be all. Thank you. Thank you. Shoo. Go. Okay. Comrade, did I say you could go? Uh, yes. Did I say you could go. I guess not, uh, no. Dad, blindfold. That's better, oh, so much better. Now you can go. Wait, 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 wait. So, just to recap, my name is Doik, and we are the Camarouche. Ah! Yes, Camarouche, yes, scream, yes. And on behalf of our esteemed leader, Pol Pot, welcome to Cambodia. Because it is now 1978, and all the rules have changed. Oh, oh yes, they have. The Americans are fled, Vietnam is over, and the outside world? Cambodia is just a dark spot on the map. So this, all this, Gone. That's right. There we go. My cadres. I have cadres. Aren't they great? <laughs> the black. It looks good on everyone, huh? We have taken our brief pause and now we are in the hands of Pol Pot and the Khmer Rouge. Our great utopian experiment is now underway. Welcome to the year zero. And what does this mean, this year zero? Well, uh -uh. no phones, no pagers, 
No photography, technology, or recording devices of any kind. No artists, intellectuals, or capitalists. No hospitals, no schools, no factories, no banks, money, religion, or holidays. No glasses, except for these. No electricity. Thank you. Personal property? Yet. Individual feelings? Nine. Your children are now our children. Your snacks are now our snacks. And most of all, no music. How are we doing? Almost ready? Okay. Great. This is great. <laughs> no lights, no sound, phones off. And welcome to S21. Wake up! Mm -hmm. You said you came from the camp in Badambang? Mm -hmm. You said you came from the camp in Badambang. <clears throat> Answer my question, comrade. Right. Sorry. You got it, boss. What? You got it, boss? Did I say something wrong, uh, boss? No, you didn't, okay? Shut up. Lang? What? Lang, is that you? No? Come on, Lang, I know it's you. Lang, your name is Lang. <laughs> no. Yes. No. Yes. No, yes. no, 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 yes. no, no, no. Yes, no. yes, yes, your no, name no. is Lang. You lived in the capital and we played together in a band. Dude, shut up. Oh my God, it is you. Shh. Say my name. Dude. Say my name. No. Say it, 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 say it. I'll say yours. Then say it. Choom. Can't hear you. Choom, your name is Choom. See, you do remember me. Oh my god, I knew it was you. Oh my god, Bong, this is amazing. Like, what are the chances? I knew you'd make it. I bet you were like, peasant, and they were like, yeah. You, you see anyone at your camp? In Badambang? Yeah. Some people from the capital, yeah. Kids I knew from high school, their parents. Anyone from the band? Well, Poe split off to head down to her dad's village, and Room, I have no clue. I mean, like, Sotia. Didn't she leave with you? After the Khmer Rouge invaded, we went down to South to her aunts, kept our heads down, pretended to be peasants, but there were troops who needed some help. We got separated. Oh. Have you seen her? Sorry, Bong, but I bet she's out there. I mean, if I can survive, then she's definitely all right. Right. And Khmer Rouge. Nice. I'm not Khmer Rouge. Uh, Khmer Rouge scarf, Khmer Rouge gun. Blindfold's a nice touch. I like it. Smart, so they can't see your face. What about my face? They can't see your face. They can't be mad at you for what you've done. What have I done? Nothing. I'm just... I'm so happy you're alive, buddy. Bong. I'm not your bong. I, I, we are not friends. But we are. We don't even know each other. 
but we do. If anyone comes into this room, we have never met. Oh, smart, tricky. You don't even know my name. But I do. Lang. Lang? That's not my name anymore. What is it now? I changed it. It's a comrade key. (laughs) Why? What's yours? Comrade song. Is that a joke? It reminds me of the old days. The band. You need to take this seriously, dude. You are at S21. Do you even know what this place is? A camp. A prison. If you're here, it's because they think you're a spy. On the truck here, it was old women and children. Five-year-olds. We're not spies. If you're here, there's a reason to suspect you. Our whole country is starving to death, and this is what the Khmer Rouge is worrying about? They're terrified the Vietnamese will come back. Take over. (laughs) Me? A spy? Yes. I would make a terrible spy. Then what are you? What? What's your story? My story? Your biography. In the morning, when they come in and accuse you of being a bourgeoisie capitalist, a CIA agent, a Vietnamese operative, what do you say? Who are you? If you weren't in a Western-style rock band, then what did you do before the war? Oh, I'm just a banana seller. I sell bananas. And? What do you mean, and? That's all I sell. Bananas. Don't don't say it like that. How else can I say it? Say it like you're a peasant. I'm a banana seller. I, I sell bananas. Wrong. I am a banana seller. I sell bananas. Not so loud. They'll hear you. Though if they do, then they'll be really convinced I'm a banana seller because I was just yelling it at you. Lower. I'm a banana seller. I sell bananas. How much do you buy them for? What? These bananas you allegedly sell, how much do you buy them for? I I don't know. Bang! You're dead. A hundred real. I buy them for a hundred real a hand. And how much do you sell them for? One ten. One hundred and ten real? Yes. Those are slim profit margins, comrade. I'm a peasant. I didn't make much money. Yes, but from the sound of it, it sounds like you didn't make any money. It sounds like you were a terrible banana seller. I was very bad at capitalism. And who are the others? What? The other spies in your unit. Name me their names. Bon, come on. There weren't any spies in my unit. Bang, you're dead. I don't know any names. Make it up and make it believable. Point a finger at old ladies and y'all spy? Give them what they want. Defend yourself. This is your life. How am I supposed to defend myself if I don't even know why I'm here? They say I'm a spy. What are the charges? I don't know. I've been here two days and no one's even told me what I'm suspected of. It's all written down in your file in Doik's office. Then go get my file from this Doik and tell me what I'm doing here. Doik's the head of this facility. This is his prison. I can't walk in there, grab a file. You're an interrogator, aren't you? Doik doesn't let us know the charges. He says we get lazy if we're not... If we don't have to show our work. Please, Bong. I'll try. Thank you. That's curfew. The night shift will be here soon. Take you back to, into your cell. I'll check on you as soon as I can. Thank you. For what? You saved my life. No, I haven't. You did. You gave me something to live for. Good night. See you tomorrow. That is the hope. Thank you.
You're welcome. Thank you, thank you, thank you. What are you doing? I'm saying thank you, thank you, thank you. I'm going to say it a thousand times before I fall asleep. Fine. But do it silently. You got it, boss. And try to get some sleep. Thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you. Chum? Yes? You know what goes on in this place, right? Mm Mm-hmm. So why are you still smiling? Because today someone remembered me. Today someone said my name. So today was a good day. Thank you. Thank you, thank you, thank you. Thank you, thank you, thank you. Thank you so much to Alex Leiden, Orville Mendoza, and Daniel K. Isaac. Um, next, we're going to have uh, Lauren Yee speak to us about her play, about her plays, her career. Um, and we're going to be interviewed by our senior editor, Deep Tran. Let me just do a little re- resetting up here, so just give me one second. We're going to sit because I'm feeling lazy. I don't know about you. We're not, we're not actors. We're not, no, exactly. we're not good at this. We're not, we're not performing. Yeah. We're just talking. <laughs> Like, well, when they said, like, I was talking to you, I'm like, what did I talk to her about at this point? Because we're friends. Yeah. (laughs) It's kind of like reintroducing yourself to someone. Yeah. Um, Congratulations. Thank you. Number two. Thank you very much. And, uh, oh, and the reason we had Lauren here, well, first of all, because we haven't interviewed her at these events before. Uh And because we have interviewed number one playwright Lauren Gunderson in 2017 when she was on the list, when she was number one on the list the first time. And so if you want to hear that interview, you can just go on our website and look for it. But thank you for coming. Thank you for having me. Oh, my goodness. And so in case... In case, um, so an FYI for you, the plays that you're being represented mm-hmm. on this list, so 18 plays that's getting produced mm-hmm. is a Cambodian rock band, obviously, mm-hmm. The Great Leap, The Hatmaker's Wife, yeah. Hookman, uh, what is, it? that's new. Hook, Hookman uh, predates Cambodian and Great Leap. Uh, it's 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 in like the middle somewhere of the, of like the canon. I know. So Cambodian rock band's the newest one, and everyone's just going yes, back now, yes. now that you're popular. Yeah, yeah. But I feel like you're like one of those playwrights that have been you've been working for a really long time. Yeah. And it suddenly seemed like you suddenly got theater famous overnight. I know it's cra- it's crazy. I, I've always had this theory though that like there are no big breaks. Like if you've ever seen The Princess Bride and there's like this scene where he's like climbing the cliffs of insanity, yeah. I feel like that is so much of like what we do that, that we've been on this journey, like painstaking, you know, move by move mm-hmm. and, event- and eventually you kind of get, get to a higher point on it. Yeah. Um, for those of, for people who don't know your work, can you talk a little bit about how you first got into playwriting? Because you grew up in San Francisco, mm-hmm. and and you told me once that you're, like, it was kind of accidental. Yeah. So so this will this will tell you exactly how old I am. 
Um, some of it, and there will be a very clear divide in that some of you will know exactly what I mean, and some of you will be like, this sounds ridiculous. But uh, in the early days of the internet, whole families might share the same email address, <laughs> right? And uh, when I was in high school, I used my father's email address. Um, and I would regularly check it to see if anybody had emailed me. And I think I was like a sophomore in high school uh, when I was like checking my father's email and someone had forwarded him a 10 minute play contest run by Asian American Theater Company. Um, and they were like looking for short plays and it was like due the next day. And I, didn't, I think it was a Sunday so I didn't have anything to do. And so I was like, well, I could, I could write a play. And I did. And while it wasn't very good, um, what I think is really interesting is that it contains in its DNA all the things that I'm interested in today. That if you looked at that play and you looked at Cambodian Rock Band or Great Leap, you would kind of find the same theatrical concerns, which I find mm -hmm. so interesting. Right. Oh, and and Great Leap is the other play that's on mm -hmm. our top ten yeah. list. Can you give a short snippet about what it's about? So, so great. The Great Leap is um, is a play that uses my father's early basketball career as a jumping off point. In the '80s, before my father had kids, um, he played basketball, and he was pretty good for a neighborhood pickup game. Um, and in 1981, he got to go to China as part of an American friendship team that was playing the best teams in China. And they were handily dismantled by almost every Chinese team they met. <laughs> um, and so I wrote a play about a young man like my father, who's from San Francisco, who goes to China for this friendship game. Right, and it happens to coincide with... With like... If I say China 1989, yeah. what is going on in the world then? So, yeah. but th that's one of the things I love about your plays, though, because kind of like Cambodian Rock Band, which we just saw mm -hmm. a snippet of, and you're all in New York, so you'll see it again in February at Signature Theater. Yeah, two blocks up, four mm -hmm. blocks up that way, because um, you balance something really dark, which yeah. is genocide, yeah. next to next to something like relatively light which is music which is friendship mm -hmm. and also there's and there's in all of your work there's also the component of parent children relationships mm -hmm. yeah and so can you I feel like people want to know like what goes on in your mind that you think okay I'm gonna do Khmer Rouge but mm -hmm. I'm also gonna do Cambodian rock music because that's cool too yeah um I mean I think a in all of my plays I think there's like kind of this deep vein of joy and humor and often like painful humor that runs through it like no matter what story I'm writing and then specifically with Cambodian rock band um, it's it's real history that in 1975 when the Khmer Rouge took over Cambodia there were all these amazing rock bands and singers and crooners in exactly the way that you imagine. Um, and and so I didn't have to, you know, really stretch that far to find that um, kind of intersection and like collision 
of worlds. Um, but I think also the thing with Cambodian rock band that I was learning, because like there were early versions of Cambodian rock band uh, that did not go anywhere, because I think I hadn't at the time cracked what it means to have survived something like that and continued on. Because I think mm-hmm. um, when we think of people who have lived through genocide, we think of victims and we think of kind of sepia tone, black and white people who, you know, like live in despair when actually, you know, there is a large number of people for whom like joy is a survival strategy. That That the father that we meet at the beginning of the play is full of, joy and humor and dad jokes because it is the only way he has been able to continue with his life Mm -hmm. and I think that's something that is really unexpected but it's really true Mm -hmm. right and and that's why in the snippet we saw like the first thing he the first thing he says is oh my god you're my friend yeah (laughs) yeah which is like seems crazy but at that actual prison uh the warden who ran it doik he, he met three people that he'd known in his previous life. He met his mm-hmm. math teacher there. Um, Did he kill him? Uh, presumably, yes. Okay. Yeah. So it seems inexplicable and ridiculous, but that's like that's what actually happened. Mm-hmm. And uh, right now you, you have a, a residency at, six, at Signature Theater. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And so what kind of work are you doing there for them? Um, well, so I have something called like the... I think it's called the the residency five, which is kind of like for like early uh, emerging mid career playwrights um, who are currently like building their canon of work. And so uh, what it is is Signature is committed to doing three plays of mine over five years, hence residency five. Frequently it will take us longer than <laughs> five years, but they're also very understanding. Um, and Cambodian Rock Band will be the first play that's presented as part of my residency. So the other two are probably plays that I may not have even written yet, which is really exciting. Right, right. Uh, I feel like like for you, because granted, I've only seen maybe one of your plays and I've read them, Mm -hmm. I've read the rest. You've never seen Cambodian Rock Band No, I've never seen it. It reads really well on the page, by the way. You have have the t-shirt and everything. I, I also have the T-shirt. Um, she'll, she'll take orders. Yeah, I don't I don't know whether it'll be for sale at Signature, but we'll see. No, but I remember like one of the, your earlier plays that I've read, mm-hmm. which is about like which um, won the Primus Prize, which mm-hmm. is about like a mo- in, mm-hmm. in a word, which is about yeah. a mother who loses her kid. And I feel like sometimes like you don't feel the need to write about identity as much as other, you know. Yeah. No, yeah. I, I I know what you're saying because. Yeah. I feel like I'm I'm a storyteller first and foremost. Um, I think like one thing that I do really well is like write great roles for Asian American actors, and I think mm-hmm. that is very similar to writing great roles for regular people. Um, but I think you know like that is that is something that is a particular interest of mine that I think I can uniquely offer the American theater. And then I think there's plays like In a Word or like Hookman that also dig into worlds that I'm really interested in, um, but but may have less specific demands in terms of, 
you know, racial identity. Yeah, or specificity. Yeah. Yeah, because it's, it's about like more universal things, mm-hmm. which is. Yeah. Like, when do you find the need to be very specific about uh-huh. who you're writing about? And when do you find the need to think broadly? Yeah, that's that's a really good question. I think recently I've been on like a history kick. Mm. Like mm-hmm. Cambodian and Great Leap are both history plays. Yeah. And, you're, and you're working on Pachenko, the TV show for mm-hmm. ABC. Uh, ap- Apple. Apple, shit. Yeah. <laughs> it's, it's like, you know, you know why? Because yeah. like Apple is a platform doesn't quite exist yet. Exactly. So it's like hard to imagine. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so I, f- I find I've been doing a lot of like history plays and in those there are kind of like very specific, there like have appeared to be like very specific needs. Mm-hmm. Um, and I feel like I'm also one of those playwrights who like really enjoys the casting process. I know like act, I know actors hate auditions. Um, but but I think what's been incredible is in doing these plays, right? For me to have like the most, you know, the most beyond like the most produced list um, with two different plays means that there has to be a lot of great actors who can fill those roles, and that's like mm-hmm. absolutely true, you know, because Cambodian Rock Band it is a cast of six, five of five of whom are playing some serious rock songs. There's like about like 12 in the show and it's like psychedelic surf rock. So it's not just like a couple chords. Mm -hmm. Um, It is a full band experience. And what is kind of a joy is to see how talented and adept the actors are um, and just like the depth of the pool. So like fun fact, so Alex, who um, you saw on acoustic guitar um, during this, the play probably would not exist in its form without him. Because when I developed it at Berkeley Rep, um, I cast it, it was a play without music, and I cast it first just by choosing like the best actors. Um, and after I'd cast it, I kind of went through everyone's resumes, and I was like, oh, like, he plays electric guitar, like Alex plays bass, like she sings. I was like, oh, you all should like bring in your instruments, which I think were all Alex's instruments. (laughs) And maybe we can learn the music. Um, And so Alex and the other actors put together those songs based on the talents that they brought into the room. So it was almost like this wonderful, happy accident that this all happened. Like, I don't think it would have occurred to me that this would be something you could easily do if I hadn't, like, kept accidentally casting actors who could, who already had all these, like, talents in the bag. It's, like, been incredible. Right. Well, and, and that's what makes a piece unique, though, because I remember you told me, like, you had a draft where it was very much historical drama. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Um, and as soon as you hear the music, um, which is kind of this mix of, Dengue Fever, which is um, an LA band that you know exists today, and Cambodian oldies of the '60s and '70s. All on Spotify, by the way. I researched. Yeah. I it's it's my Spotify playlist. <laughs> Cambodian rock band. Um, like once you hear that music, it just it just fills you with joy and makes you want to like move, and and just like is incredible. Mm-hmm. And I feel like. 
Well, I mean, we got to talk about the fact that there's not as many Asian American playwrights mm -hmm. on these lists as we would like there to yeah. be. And you're one of the few that's actually been produced at both culture specific mm -hmm. organizations yeah. as well as, you know, big mainstream theaters mm -hmm. like Signature. Yeah. And so did was did you where when was a turn for you in terms uh -huh. of knowing, oh, this I, I I'm finally I'm finally in. And how did that happen? Yeah. Um, I mean, I would say, even though I live in New York, I'm very much the product of regional theater. That, you know, for the past like 10 plus years, I've developed great relationships and been, you know, the recipient of a lot of support from theaters across the country. Mm -hmm. um, you know, like, and I've had community artistic homes in Minneapolis, in Seattle, in San Francisco, my hometown, in LA, Chicago, there's there's just been a lot of really wonderful cities that have like embraced my work, um, and it's just also been kind of delightful to get to know and invest in the acting communities in those cities because they're there and they're super talented, um, and and. I'm so, I'm so glad they exist. Mm -hmm. Yeah, there are actors. People like to say there aren't. Yeah. Oh no. So fun fun fact. Um, I I keep an Excel an extensive Excel spreadsheet um, with 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 actor actors' names, kind of what their special skills are, the city that they live in. Um, so if you've worked with me, you're probably on that list. I just keep it to myself. Don't worry. Um, <laughs> and Is that I found the people tonight. Yeah, I mean, I mean, they're they're wonderful actors that I've I've worked with before and yeah. like deeply admire. So, mm -hmm. um, it was like an easy pull, but I think it I think it really helps to, you know, show theaters that like if you want to do a reading in Seattle with these actors, it's not your job as the playwright to cast it. But if you're like, here's a list of thirty people, and mm -hmm. here's all their email addresses. It just makes it much easier, so they're not just like, oh my God, what, how are we gonna ever do this? Yeah, I mean, what was probably the mentality of that for you? Is it, oh, you can produce my plays and here are these people, so mm -hmm. you don't have to do that much work? Or is it, I want to make sure these people that I know get work? Um, I, I think it's like a combination mm -hmm. of all the things. I think there's like always a little bit of like a producer brain mm -hmm. going on for me. Um, and I think it's really satisfying to be able to connect theaters with people that I think are very talented. That like even if they don't cast them in this reading, they know about them. And mm -hmm. next time there's something, even if it's not my play, they'll call them. Mm -hmm. right. do, you, do, do you wanna do questions? Yeah. Does yeah. yeah. anyone oh, have questions or anyone on Facebook? Yeah, oh, I don't know if the audience has been prepped for this. <laughs> Interesting. Hmm. The question is, who wrote the music? So who wrote the music for Cambodian rock bands? So, um, so initially, I wrote a play about music that did not have it. Um, and as I went along, I started incorporating both the real songs, um, real songs that are like of the period. So Cambodian oldies of the 60s and 70s. So like 
Rosary Sotias and Sislamuth Penron. Um, so like existing existing songs from that era, and then also songs by Dengue Fever, the uh, the LA band. So it's it's this mix of old and new songs, and there's about there's about like thirteen in the show. Yeah, so they're covers. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. 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 You can listen to it on Spotify. Yes. There's a Cambodian rock band playlist. Yeah. Dengue Fever is also like an excellent mm-hmm. band. I highly recommend them. Yeah. Yeah, and, and it's like a mix. It's mixed bag, a mixed mm-hmm. band too. So it's it's com- yeah. a Cambodian of uh, front front yeah front front woman, front woman and yeah. the the band members are of all races. Yeah. So. Yeah. America. Yeah. On that, staying on that line, mm-hmm. there wasn't a problem in getting the rights to songs that already existed. Uh, so, I. I went through the process of making sure that we got all the rights to both the Dengue songs and the existing Cambodian songs. Um, We'd been in contact with Dengue for a while about the play, so they kind of, they were helping to shepherd along, um, you know, the piece as it was being written. But that, yeah, that's actually an interesting thing because sometimes in theater, I don't know, like productions will like include music and then just kind of forget about the rights. But I think for <laughs> for this for this show, it's very important that it's these specific songs um, that we kind of have clearance and, uh, you know, the artist blessings to do this. Mm-hmm. And and so that was something that my wonderful agents at ICM worked out. Right. I don't even know how, how they do. Do you know how they did that? Because most of the musicians who record those songs mm-hmm. in Cambodia, they're dead. Yeah. They died so, in the Khmer Rouge. Yeah, so. so we had to we had to go through the Cambodian Ministry of Culture and an American agent who helped us bridge, bridge that. So uh, they know a lot of ICM knows a lot about Cambodian copyright law now. <laughs> yep. Uh, any other questions? Do we have anything? I think you might have Yeah, so I actually visited Cambodia uh, in 2011 as part of just like a larger trip. And that was even before I had the idea for the play um, that I, you know, being an American with an American education, did not know anything about Cambodian history, um, a lot of the details of what happened there kind of during and after Vietnam. And so it was a very... Um, educational experience and one of the places um, that I visited was Tulslang Prison S21 which is kind of the location of Act 2 of the play. Mm-hmm. No, I think the, the inspiration for this play was the music. You heard Dengue mm-hmm. Fever play. And then yeah. Yep. And I, and I, it's just like if you listen to them tonight, which you all should, um, you're just going to be like, this music is amazing and it sounds so familiar and so unexpected. Like I kind of describe it as Jackson Five on top of Jimi Hendrix. So in Cambodian. Yeah, and so like bubblegum love songs and like kind of poppy, infectious music on top of shredding electric guitar. <laughs> Do you need to wrap? Oh yes, hi. Um, what is your writing process like? And since you have so many plays, um, how long did it take you? Yeah. Uh, so I think it usually takes at least two to three years to kind of like from inception to actually seeing it 
in a production, like that is the best case scenario, like fastest track you can get. Um, I also think sometimes between like point of inspiration and knowing what the play is, seems to be about four years. So I heard Dengue Fever and visited Cambodia in 2011, and I started writing the play in 2015. And in that time between, I kept talking about, I was like, oh, there's a play about like this Cambodian music, it's gonna be great. Um, to the point where my husband one time was like, you know you're never gonna write that play, you always keep talking about it. Um, you know it's never gonna happen. Um, and then I would also say my writing process is that I'll, I'll write quickly and badly um, just to get myself started and that I frequently bring in collaborators much sooner than I probably should. Um, but I find, I find good actors very motivating. So um, some of the actors you saw today and many others are people who have seen my work at like very early stages when it's like not a good play yet. Um, you know, but, but hopefully the hope is like you get to a point that's better. Well, wonderful. Thank you for coming. Thank you so yeah, much for having yeah, me. Yeah, and congratulations. And I look forward to actually seeing Cambodian Rock Band. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, every, I was like, everyone come to Signature. Yeah, exactly. The, the booze is great. Yeah. Okay. All right, well, can I give, can I give a little round Thank you. Thank you all for coming out. Uh, and, and you know, you see it in New York at Signature, but obviously around the country at eight other theaters uh, in the coming season. And uh, that's Cambodian Rock Band and Great Leap. Uh, please, uh, you know, subscribe to, stick around for some, some wine and wine and cheese, but subscribe to American Theater. Check us out online. Our lists go back to 1994. And uh, again, and thanks to the actors. Thanks to you all for coming out tonight. <laughs>